Blog Talk Radio. Beautiful Friday afternoon. I'm Laura Mize, pediatric speech language pathologist, and welcome to Teach Me to Talk the podcast. Today we have a fantastic guest who's a speech pathologist who has a question with a really, really interesting uh, little friend or for a little uh, friend who's on her caseload. So, hi, Kendra. How are you? Hi, Laura. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me today, and I feel like I've kind of gotten to know you a little bit with our little conversations and then your emails. You have such an eagle eye and caught a little uh, that first little run of let's talk about talking. That chart was a misprint, leaving off that last uh, skill there, and you sent me that email, and nobody else emailed me about that, so I've already thanked you about that profusely, but I want to do it again because you and your eagle eye oh, really, really saved me on that one. You're welcome. Oh, I got the gold star. <laughs> you do. <laughs> you do. All right. So let's just get right into your question because we're just doing that new 45-minute format, and I do not want to waste any time and get off track here as I've already done kind of on our little pre-show talk so let's just jump right into your question, and I'm just going to read it like you sent it to me, and if you want to interrupt me uh, and say something that you want to just add to uh, our conversation about this little girl, you just go right ahead. I am extremely flexible and informal on the show, so again, if there's something else you want to add to this email, you just jump right in. All right, All right perfect. Okay, so you're saying I'm currently seeing a 23-month-old little girl who does not have a diagnosis. She's starting to vocalize purposefully. She does make some playful noises like shh, panting like a dog, and eating and drinking sounds when feeding her babies. According to mom, she will inconsistently follow directions. Mom has been working on body parts, specifically her belly, but as of now she is not pointing to her belly. She was pointing to her eyes, but now she is not. Mom has been using physical assistance to help her point, which she does not like at all. She sounds like she has a lot of personality, does she? This little girl. Oh, tons. Tons. Yeah. Yeah. More fire. Okay. <laughs> I like kids like that. They're a challenge. Yeah, so do I. <laughs> I like little firecrackers. I think they're a lot of fun. All right. So you go on to say she is beginning to imitate some play routines like putting her babies to sleep and feeding her babies. Uh, she's receiving therapy from a special instructor for play. And you tell me there in the email that you completed the 11 skills checklist with the mom, and this little girl needs to work on play, receptive language, imitation, attention, joint attention, and turn taking. So six out of the 11 skills. So she has, you feel like the, those other five skills she's, she's pretty good with. But mm-hmm. this is, right. Still about half of the checklist for pre-linguistic skills. That's, she still has some weaknesses in those areas. But then you go on to say the biggest need that I see is her attention. I'm constantly redirecting her attention back to activities. Even if she begins an activity and I join her to lengthen it, she's off to something else. Using physical assistance sometimes helps her stay with an activity longer. She even runs away from activities that she seems to love, like peekaboo. She smiles and laughs when we play, but she runs away as soon as I give her an inch. I love your personality there because I totally know what you mean by that. 
Interestingly enough, when mom is with her, her attention is better. However, when mom or I join in play, it's almost like her job is done and she shuts off. Mom shrugs this off as her being stubborn. I don't think stubbornness has anything to do with it. And that was the real hook for me. For this email and for this question, because I don't think so either. But isn't it interesting how moms just, or that mom and all moms, lots of moms, kind of go to that as, well, that's just her personality. She's just stubborn or she's just wild or she's just, you know, whatever this personality trait is, fill in the blank. But I, I don't think it, it doesn't sound like that to me either. I think par- I don't know. I think maybe parents do that because it's easier to say, well, she just does that because she's stubborn, as opposed to, you know what, I think my kid really has something going on here. So I think it's maybe easier, I don't know, for parents to accept that. Oh, I think it is too. And I do think that sometimes we just go for whatever our default little answer seems to be for something rather than looking for something because it is harder when we start, when we get down to the nitty-gritty with, with, you know, my mm-hmm. child has a neurodevelopmental problem or this mm-hmm. is a oh, yeah. chronic thing. This is not something that, you know, I'm going to be able to explain away like this. And I think even even educated adults, I mean, I'll find myself saying something like that, and then I think I cannot believe that just came out of my mouth because I know that. <laughs> and so, you know. <laughs> we yeah, all we've all done have, that. Yeah, everybody does that, but it's it's – with moms, sometimes it can be tricky to get them to kind of turn away from, okay, she's choosing not to do this rather than, boy, she really can't do it. I mean, there's just, there's, there, she's lacking some maturation or some skills here or whatever uh, big, uh, again, developmental area that we're looking at. So I do think it's something that we as therapists need to listen for. And certainly if you're a parent listening to the show right now and you've said those kinds of things, first of all, don't beat yourself up that much because Kendra and I both have said we all do that. But secondly, you've got to kind of go beyond that little basic flippant explanation and see, you know, what is it here that's making this happen? And so what I wanted to do, well, first of all, let's talk. Is there anything else you want to add to that, Kendra? Anything as I was reading that, did you think, oh, I wish I'd said this or I wish I'd said that? Or has this little girl made some changes in the last couple of weeks that that you want to talk about any kind of new development? Um, no, I think that that pretty, pretty much sums her up in, in a nutshell, yeah. Okay. okay. And let me just ask, too, just sort of for – everybody's kind of background and I, I don't mean to I don't mean this as um well I don't I don't mean this let me just ask it this way Kendra you have you've worked for a little while you're you're seasoned correct you sound like I'm you're I love that word it's a nice way of saying I'm old yep <laughs> <laughs> I'm constantly saying my age and how long I've worked on the show but sometimes I mean that makes a big difference because sometimes I think when I'm talking with a therapist who's relatively new, and I'll say within, you know, a couple years, or certainly someone who's just, gosh, you know, they haven't even seen, you know, half a dozen kids yet, or, you know, Mm -hmm. only graduated six months ago. That's very, very different than in talking to someone, you sound like me, you know, we're above that 40th, 45th birthday, you know, and I'm yeah, Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. So, I wanted to kind of get that out there, too, because you have some experience with children. This is not your first couple of years to work with kids. So you've kind of done it all, seen it all, that sort of yeah, thing, it's right? Not, it's not my first rodeo. But, you know, it's funny that you say that and you talk about age because I find myself – 
struggling to keep up with her. I think, wow, now I I really officially am old because when I was younger in my 20s and 30s, I would have mentally been right there with her. But now, holy moly, I'm exhausted. <laughs> and I totally feel that way. And I feel like, you know, even through my mid-40s, I just did not have a problem with kids like this. But, you know, as the calendar pages flip, I feel your pain there because it was much easier to just keep that kind of, almost chaotic pace yeah. through an entire 45-minute hour session, and now it's a lot, lot harder. So I totally get that, too. But I'm kind of looking at it from an experience standpoint, meaning that, you know, you've seen a lot of kids. There certainly have been things that you have tried already with this little girl. You're not just starting saying, I have no idea what to do. Give me some ideas here. Tell right. us what you've what what you've already done. Tell us the strategies that kind of are in place as far as her attention. And that's what I want us to focus on here. Is just you've I've got some other questions to ask you about her, but before we kind of get into all that, just talk about what you've tried, what's worked, and what hasn't worked. As far so as I have found that what doesn't work, and I have found this to be pretty consistent across the board that if someone's running away from you and you call their name, they're pretty much not going to come back because they left you for a reason. So right. I try to kind of hook her in physically and mm-hmm. kind of bring her yeah. back. You know, like kind of like if you're lassoing a cow. I kind of like grab her before she can kind of run away My and try to keep strategy, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> And try to keep her with me that way. Now, if, if, you know, I'm too slow for that, then the next thing I, you know, I do is, oh, my goodness. And then, you know, I'll quick make something up. The girl, she fell. Oh, no. Where did she go? Oh, my gosh. We have to find her and see if I can get her to come back to me um, that way. And sometimes that works and, you know, sometimes it doesn't. Right. So environmentally, when you're seeing her, when you're trying to just kind of hook her, are you all playing together? You're seeing her uh, in a home setting, right? You do home visits? Yeah, home visits with um, a family member there, yeah, like in her play area, so surrounded by all her toys. Okay. So how involved uh, is her caregiver or her parent, whoever's there with her? I mean, are they helping you lasso her and keep her contained? Are you all working together, or are they just pretty passive? So when the nanny's there, the nanny kind of is very passive, so it's pretty much I'm on my own. You know, she's just kind of like watching the show. Um, Now, when mom's there with me, she's more involved, but she definitely is not – as physical with her as I am. So she's not really calling her back or, you know, grabbing her and bringing her back to what we're doing. Okay, so that's pretty important. So is that mom's just normal, do you think, during the course of everyday activities? And I would assume that this little girl is pretty much like this all the time. This isn't just how she is with you. She's pretty active and busy all the time, correct? Yes, active and busy all the time, and, you know, she goes where she goes. And, I mean, there's, you know, there's definitely confinements, like she's not going up and down the stairs. But, yeah, she pretty much has free reign. Okay. And, Mom, that's just how it is. Mom doesn't see this as problematic at all. No. 
No. Okay. Oh, she just doesn't want to do it, isn't you know? Oh, she, you know, she's just stubborn. She just doesn't want to play that way today. Okay. And is she an only child? Yes. <laughs> I like it. There you go. <laughs> yeah, which makes a big yeah, it, it makes a big difference. It yep. does make a big difference. And again, I'm not slamming moms of only children. So if you're a mom with an only child, please don't disconnect the show right now and think, oh, this girl, whatever, uh, this woman has no. Uh, you know, she's she's blaming this all on me. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying when parents have more children to wrangle, they get a little bit better at it because you're, <laughs> again, trying to control a little bit more, and it's you just learn when you have more than one kid there are things you can do that make the um, free reign of everything not as, easily accessible so i just kind of wondered about that what mom's temperament was so she normally just kind of doesn't have a lot of expectations for compliance even in everyday activities no very laid back and it's funny because we've talked about um cleaning up before and she just does not see that as a priority at all and it's funny because so someone else had said that to her when it was like a um, it was a meeting and someone else had talked to her about you know you should really have her clean up and um, I think she tried it once and it was just you know well she just doesn't really seem interested and so it's you know we're just not going to do that kind of thing and I think that also goes back to the only child it's like well I only have one so sometimes it's the path of least resistance I'll just let her get away with it because then it's one less thing I have to worry about. Exactly. And it is, since she does have so much personality, she probably does protest when she mm-hmm. has to do oh, yeah. what she doesn't want to do. Yeah. And she's smart enough to realize that that works for her, mm-hmm. <laughs> the little girl. And so she probably uses that pretty um, often, as any of us do. When we find any behavior that works for us, we continue to do it because right. that's that kind of our whole, yeah, exactly. It's our whole reason for doing it. Let me figure out, you know, what works. So certainly I think some really gentle education with mom or continuing efforts on your part to just talk about that sort of thing. And cleaning up every act play activity is one of the strategies I was going to suggest because it really, really works one, to extend an activity, you know, if you, even if you just had two or three minutes playtime, if you can work in your receptive language goals, you'll have two or three more minutes with cleaning that activity up once you kind of get into it and she gets into the routine of doing that. And so that naturally extends the activity. So that's something that I was going to suggest. So, so when you've tried that before, Kendra, when you've – have you tried that with mom, like in the context of an activity you guys are playing with something, like you mentioned that she likes babies? Will she put babies away at all with you if you've done some uh, really kind of structured or focused, like, no, we have to clean this up before we move on? Will she do anything like that? Oh, yeah, and mom has seen me do it. I've modeled it for her um, numerous times. Okay. Yeah, like, oh, okay. no, before over there we have to clean the let's put the blocks away oh you know bye bye blocks bye bye blocks bye bye doll you know and she'll at first look at me but then you know if I give her some prompts then you know she I mean she's not picking up everything but she is definitely participating in the activity with me okay good 
So I would keep doing that, and I'll just tell you that strategy of just broken record, you know, we're just going to do it every single time, no matter what, bring you back, have you do it, even if it's just, me singing the cleanup song, and even if they're a little bit tearful, you know, putting right. those things away, then we can just move on to something else after that. And it can be as short or as long as we need it to be, but usually on the shorter side where we're just cleaning up and then, then we're able to kind of move on. And and it's interesting when moms don't see that as a valuable part of therapy, but I think that if you just really talk about, and I'm sure you have this little script that you've already developed with why we do what we do, but one of the things that I talk about is every routine has a beginning, a middle, and an end. It doesn't matter if you're talking about meals or about bath time or about playtime or whatever. And I really talk to parents about that with busy, busy, busy kids that we have to get them to the point that they can uh, complete a whole task and that we want them to participate, but they have, part of participating is learning how to finish. And so this cleaning up part, you know, and really making it, really think, taking those daily routines and walking through that. Now, that is much easier to do with moms who want some more structure and who want some more direction, and it's, it's harder to do, I think, and I know that you've already um, talked about this when moms are just kind of going down that path of least resistance you may have to sell mom on that a little more but I usually talk about that with you know when she gets in school (laughs) it's going to be hard for her to learn how to follow the rules and how to do these little things if we have not set up some little routines that are well within her capabilities of doing here at home you know this is just part of making her somebody fun to be around and sometimes moms respond to that. I don't know if that's some if that's uh, an area you want to tackle with that mom, or you sound like you just kind of are like me, Kendra, on this. You just sort of work it in, <laughs> and don't beat a mom over the head with it. But you're kind of you're talking about it, even if mom's not really bought into that yet. Yes, I mean I am. I'm definitely talking about it. I mean, again, I don't know if she's buying what I'm selling, but you know, right. I. I <laughs> need to talk about it but I like what you said about the school because I feel like um, parents identify more with that because it's academic and and you know a lot of times I get the so is all you're going to do is play with them Um, yes that's all I'm going to do because he's only two so I like that bridge to um, to going to school I'm going to have to use that I think it's a good one, and I do think here's another, that other line in there that really has resonated with parents, and I haven't used it forever just in these last few years, me saying to parents, you want her to be fun to be around. You want Uh her to be a kid that other people like, that other people want to have their children be friends with, that she'll get asked on some little play dates and stuff. And if she doesn't really understand how to follow these rules and routines, she's going to have a tougher time with that. And I think that kind of scares parents a little bit. And you yeah. know, we certainly don't want to motivate people by with fear, but at the same time, it's true. Well, it's it reality. Hard. Yeah, yeah. And it's hard for a kid, even at four and at five, and, you know, the older preschool kids, those are the kids that seem to be a little um, left out when it comes to birthday party invitations and those nice little first friend outings, and when we can kind of put it in real life terms like that, moms, I do, I do think that they are more receptive to that kind of advice. So I'm glad we talked about that. Let's talk about what you think her reason, and this I'm using your words here, 
when you said when kids run away from you, there's always a reason. So what do you what do you think her reasons are, or her reason is when she's trying so desperately to get away? What do you, what do you think that's about? I honestly don't think that she understands the benefit and the enjoyment of um, interactions. Although it's weird to say that because she does laugh and she does giggle every time that we do that. Any Anytime, you know, I do like little social games with her, she's laughing the whole time. So if I'm doing like ride a little horsey, as soon as she hits the ground and if I let go of her hands, she's out of there and she's off to something else. Okay. So how long will she sustain that interaction with you when you're doing social games? She won't sustain that at all unless I am physically um, physically keeping her with me. So if I put the blanket over her head and I say, you know, where's Delilah? Then I mean, she's she's off and running with the blanket on her head. Or you know, wow. if I do like a horsey, this I mean, she's laughing and I have her on my lap. But again, the second she hits the ground, if I let go of her hands. And she goes to turn over, and I think, okay, she's going to stay right with me. Oh, no, she's gone. So do you think that's a sensory thing? Do you think she just needs to be constantly in motion? Is that what it looks like? I don't know. Maybe that, I mean, that could be. That could be. So, all right, let's back up to, let's, I was going to use this as a topic for another show, but I think it fits better here. (laughs) Let me find my document here. Functions of behavior, four functions of behavior. Let's look, let's analyze this like uh, our colleagues in ABA would. Okay, so good. She, Excited. So there's only four reasons. Well, there's more than this, but there are four basic reasons that any of us do anything. And I've, I'm glad I've got the document right here because I always hate it when I can think of three and can't come up with four, <laughs> but it's right here. So the first one is access to something. So access so she she wants something else that's tangible so is she running away from you to get to something else that she wants no no okay because a a lot of times it'll be different places she's definitely not running away to to another toy but it's different places around the room so i would say no to that Okay, and so anybody listening, if you're going to use the same model, you can totally do it. So if if Kendra had said she always runs to the refrigerator or she always runs to her mom or something, then, then that would have been a yes on that. We would have said, okay, it's just that she's not really running away from you. She's running to something else, and that's really – valuable when we're trying to figure out why a kid is doing something they're doing because then you know well if she's thirsty i need to make sure she's has plenty to drink during the day or if it's mom you know she's probably running for that would be more like attention which is the next thing but it's just helpful so there's no pattern with when she's running away from you that she's going to or, or you know that you you can't identify that there's some other tangible thing that she wants more than she wants with you. So that's good. And, again, for people listening, think about your own circumstances with that thing. That that may be something that's a light bulb moment for you, and you can think, okay, how can I give this child access to what it is that they want while they're still 
benefiting from whatever activity that we're trying to do. All right, but that was a no for this little girl. Let's move on to the second function of behavior. It's the attention piece. So is she running away to get the attention that you and mom give her when she runs away? Do you think that's it? You know, I don't think so because I try to, when kids run away from me, I and because I know you talk about like getcha games, I try not to do that because I feel like that's only reinforcing her running away. So exactly. I will, although I will try to call her back, but I don't, I don't follow her um, and give her attention. So like chasing her. So I don't, I don't know. I, I would probably say no to that. I think I would say no to that too, and that is a really, really good point. And let me just say that I've screwed that up a lot. With kids where I'm giving them so much attention when they're running away, I think, well, crap, no wonder you keep leaving me because if I chase after you and pick you up and tickle you and throw you down, of course you're going to want to run away from me. But let me just say, too, for some kids that's the only time that you can really get good, sustained interaction and good Mm -hmm. joint attention is when they think that they're going to get that big reward of that. So it's not necessarily awful for every kid but for this kid it would be because you can get her to stay with you and so I'm not even going to go down that rabbit hole today attention (laughs) no we do not think she's going (laughs) that she's running away from you for the attention that you're giving her when she runs away we don't think that it's that but hey I did love your other um strategy that you talked about as soon as when she runs away you try to create some drama to bring her back to you like with that gasp like yeah oh my goodness that works really really well that's a strategy so based listening and you haven't tried that that's a good one that's a keeper so all right that's good but we've established it's not access to something else that she's running to and that it's not the attention that she's getting by running away. So let's move on to the third function of behavior, which would be escape avoidance. So (laughs) do you think she's running away just to get away from what you're doing? You know, I feel like that is a trick question because I want to say yes to that, but then why would that be when she's laughing and having a good time? But I would say yes because yes, because it's a demand. Yeah, I think that might be it too, and I think she might not have enough. Well, let's move on. All right, so we have a possibility here with escape and avoidance. Okay, we have a possibility. The fourth one that we've already talked about, too, is sensory, and that's what sort of got me headed down this avenue (laughs) with another function of behavior is sensory. So is she running away because she needs that sensory bump really, really often to stay regulated? So does she need that movement to kind of keep her... Uh, feeling good or keep her in it with you, do do you think she's that kind of sensory kid? I guess I would probably have to say yes to that one then because number three, I feel like that wouldn't make any sense. If you're having fun and you're laughing, that's not that doesn't really jive with escaping and avoiding. Usually escaping, you're upset or you're looking terrified because you're being jostled. So I guess I would go with four. I think I probably would, but listen, sometimes kids do, even though they're having a good time with you, that escape avoidance, they don't know what's coming next. 
-hmm. and they don't really know how to keep going with what you're doing, especially if we're talking about play. And I'm going to ask you about that, too, when we get down to talk, talk about her play skills. Sometimes kids, even though they seem like they're having a good time, they really don't know what's coming next, or they, they don't know what your next demand is going to be, or they think, oh, this is fun, let's just leave it right here, up, oh, you know, and then they're kind of out of there. So I can see that as a possibility, but I'm thinking that it is probably more related to this sensory stuff. And again, I haven't seen her, this is just a guess. So what other kinds of sensory-seeking behaviors have you noticed? Or is running her her big one? That's the thing. I I mean, really, only running. Like she's not crashing into people. She's not like going up to mom and needing a big squeeze. She's not, you know, crashing into the sofa. Um, you know, she's not one of those kids that has to like touch a toy so hard that it almost breaks. Right. There's no. I mean, I don't, don't see spinning or any sort of other. Rocking, swaying, no. rolling around. Okay. Well, then I do think it. Um, she just. And and what do you think about this? Is just kind of her interaction pattern, Kendra. That she just has. She mom is just. She. This is just kind of what she does. She does something for a split second, and then she's out of there. And then she comes back and does something for a split second, and she's out of there. Does that resonate? Oh, absolutely. That that's just. This is what we do. Right. And Especially so if no one's I, forcing you to stay in it to try to change what you're doing, then, of course, you're just going to keep doing what you're doing because this is what happens. That's just how – that's her world. That's yeah. how she knows it. So I think my goal for her would be sustained interaction. It doesn't matter what we're doing. It doesn't matter if we're playing with a toy. It doesn't matter if we're playing with a social game. It doesn't matter if she's, I mean, what does she do like with daily routines? Like does she sit still when she's eating? Does she no. watch TV? <laughs> well, I haven't okay. seen her for meals, but for snacks she's all over the place and the food is all over the place. Okay. So sustaining attention and interaction, I think I think you hit the nail on the head with this is her core <laughs> deficit, and mom is just going to have to see that <laughs> so that you can get some of these, uh, a little bit more structure in all of her day. And how I would word it to mom is, no wonder she's not learning language yet because we can't get her to settle down enough and stay with anything long enough to learn it. You know, her little pattern seems to be go, 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 go. And if we don't get a handle on this right now, this is really going to prevent her from again, to go the other way with academics, with making friends, with being fun to be with, all of those little lines that we've already talked about because it's just she's just going to have a hard time learning anything because that sustained attention and sustained interaction is just what she's going to have to do. Does it, <clears throat> excuse me, do they have a family history of ADHD? And, again, I know don't send me hate mail for you people <laughs> who are saying, she's two, don't think about ADHD. But, I mean, do they have, do you know about that? Do you know if there's any kind of history of that? No, I don't know. I, ha I haven't um, asked mom that yet. I know that they have an extensive family history of um 
expressive language delays, but let me just say that we did send another kid that I have to the developmental pediatrician, and it's it's interesting that you say that because the team was very divided. Oh, this kid definitely has autism. And then every, most people were, no, he definitely doesn't. And that's what the developmental pediatrician at the age of two said. He is at high risk for ADHD. And I just told another mom, I said, you, you might want to go there. Well, he's only two. I said, yes, but do you have someone in the family? And this lady said, yeah, my husband. And, I mean, her son's, like, pinging off the walls. Right. So, I, you know... Definitely don't send Laura yeah. hate mail. Because <laughs> that is, a, I mean, that's definitely a big, you know, consideration. I always tell tell families and moms, like, if you're sitting there reading a book or watching a movie and, you know, you're sitting there during the whole thing and, and your husband gets up every 30 seconds to go to the bathroom or get a snack or, you know, go outside – you know, you're going to remember the movie, but his his understanding of that movie is not going to be what yours is because you had that sustained attention. Exactly. And that's what it sounds like to me is going on with her, especially when we kind of walked through those four functions of behavior. And let me just say, too, I'm not saying that the parent should medicate her right now. I'm not saying no, that no. at all. I'm, yeah, I'm just saying we got to get this this our arms around this attention problem before this blossoms into something you know she's had two years or one year however long she's you know if we think about the mobility part she probably walked on time since she's so active she's had a year or how many how many ever months of this establishing this pattern of I do something for just a minute and then I get up and I'm out of here. I do something for 30 seconds and then I'm out of here. you got to get a hold on that if you can identify it at two, uh, and it's going to be a lot easier to fix than if you wait until the kid is school age to do it. And, again, I'm, ta- I'm not talking about medicine. I'm just talking about these behavioral strategies. And I'm right. not meaning behavioral strategies in, you know, we're going to sit on you and make you do this. Just we've got to figure out, you know, how can we – get our arms around this so that so that she is able to function a little better and ultimately so that she can learn. Because like you said, you can't even remember a movie plot when you're out of the room ten times. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Versus yeah. If you're sitting. So I think that's a beautiful example. I love that. So do you think mom will relate to that example? You know, I hope so. Mom doesn't give me a lot of feedback. Again, she's very, you know, oh, she just doesn't want to play today or, oh, she's so stubborn. Um. So. Yeah, and, you know, sometimes I think parents just, they're just not ready to kind of hear that message because they do think, oh, she's so little, she's a baby. And I get that. I feel that way about it, too. But even if she's not ready to really <laughs> fully embrace your message now, it's still up to us to say it and to give her that information. And even, you know, if she's sitting in this little girl's IEP meeting at four, <laughs> your words may ring true to her. Even right. Well, that's what I was just going to say. She might not re- be be um, be quite ready to hear it. And again, a lot of parents think that. Well, she's so young and she's just a baby. Yeah, and I don't even know that I would go with. You know, you might just ask about ADHD or go with that whole family history thing. But if you if you think mom may have some objections to that and completely just blow you off because of that, but some parents, I would I just would take more of a kid glove approach and just say, hey, listen, no wonder she's not going to. Uh, 
she's not learning how to talk yet because we can't settle her down well enough for her to be able to focus. And I use that line that's in Let's Talk About Talking, and I think it's in another, I think it's in Steps to Building Verbal Imitation in Toddlers and maybe even the therapy manual, uh, Building Verbal Imitation in Toddlers. Attention is the gatekeeper for every skill we will learn. Uh And so without the attention piece and that ability to sustain your focus, you know, you're going to have a hard time learning math and learning how to, uh, you know, how to do anything that, that requires your ability to stick with it. And so sometimes those examples will help moms too. And, again, I don't think you should beat her overhead with it, but I do think you should talk about it a lot so that she starts to realize, you know, this is something I need to pay attention to. That mom right. needs to pay attention to. <laughs> right, right, and how much it's impacting her. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and future, you know, gosh, wouldn't you rather handle this now than have to deal with it later? And it sounds to me like she may have to deal with it later anyway. This may not be something that, you know, we're going to totally, she's not going to look completely different in three months or six months or a year, but it might be significantly better so that, um, again, she's going to be, she'll be hopefully um, demonstrating the benefits of that extended attention and that her play skills will improve, her language will improve, her social interaction will improve beyond that just little bit. So I think what I would do is do everything you can to keep that sustained interaction going. So that's going to be figuring out what she likes to do already, which it sounds like you've identified several things that she likes to do. You've given that example with social games. If I were you, that's probably what I would work with the most right now is just getting her to be able to sustain an interaction with people without any outside kinds of things going on, you know, and just kind of say, you know, whatever whatever her length, her duration is right now, you know, can I increase that even if it's by, you know, 30 seconds or a minute or two minutes or four minutes or whatever, just keeping that ability to stay with you, that would be my primary goal with her right now, no matter what else we were doing. Yeah, no, that's a good idea. No, it does, yeah, absolutely. So I'll continue to manhandle her and lasso her in. (laughs) Well, and she likes the sensory stuff, too, it sounds like. She she, does. uh, So is she okay when you are, um, to use your term, manhandling her? Is she okay with that? Oh, yeah. I mean, she doesn't cry at all. Sometimes she gets objectionable when I take her hand and I make her do something. Um, Uh But when I grab her like that, she thinks it's funny. She doesn't object to that at all. So if she did, then I wouldn't use it as much because then that defeats the whole purpose. I mean, then she would be so adverse to me um, that she wouldn't even want to hear me. So. But she doesn't mind, so I would certainly keep on doing that. And I would do things with your social games with her with these kinds of things. And we've already talked about how much harder it is to do in our 40s and 50s than it was in our 20s and 30s. But I would do social games that have a lot of movement. So, like you said, you've done Ride a Little Horsey with her. Um, Anything like Ring Around the Rosies, anything where you're both, uh, you know, you're hugging her and letting her go. Anything where you're lifting her up on your legs and putting her back down, just any little game like that where she is just within an arm's length of you but staying with you. And you may have to switch the games. It doesn't sound like she'll sustain beyond a turn or two, right? 
with a gang? No, she won't. And that's that's one of the other things that we've been working on is turn taking. And she likes the fast turn taking that that you do. Yeah. Um, yeah. you know, with whatever she has in her hands. But there again, you know, if I pause for not even a second to see if she'll initiate um, you know, grabbing for what I have, then I've lost her and she's out of there. What about OT for her? Have you have was that in her evaluation? I'm not even sure what state you're in, Kendra, or what your system is like. But could you get OT for her? Yeah, could I'm gonna now that o- you mentioned that about the sensory because I didn't even think of that. So yeah, I'm gonna have to um, the next time her review comes up, I, I'm definitely gonna have to mention that. I mean, we mentioned that before because she's not feeding herself with um, utensils, so that would be a good way to segue into that. It would, yeah. And it's going to give the OT something else to work on, too, that if mom isn't quite buying all the sensory stuff. Yeah. Self-feeding after two becomes a more important goal to parents as well. Because isn't she right on the cusp of her second birthday? Yeah. 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 So that's certainly something I would do, too. Let me ask you this. Have you tried anything pretty – visual with like this is where we're going to stay while we play here like have you used like oh let's we're going to stay here at the table even if she's standing up like a little coffee table or something or we're going to sit here on the blanket and we have to stay on the blanket have you done any kind of visual boundaries like that there are visual boundaries there i mean i haven't used those exact words like you have to stay here um because she she does she will move around uh, um, pretty quickly, but so you're saying like okay if you want to play this game then we have to stay here at the table. That's what I would do, and I would try it that way. But listen, I would do the whole move sit move sit. So she's staying there for for however just below or right at what time length that you think she can do, and then get up and do a social game where you're with her, staying, continuing that interaction with her as she is moving away from you. You're getting up to jump on the couch. You're getting up to do Ring Around the Roses. You're getting up to run, touch the wall, and, you know, run right back and, you know, or, you know, do that a few times, but then you're back at the table. So you're doing the whole, we're going to sit for this length of time. And some therapists will do a timer, but I don't think that works very well with toddlers. But, you know, we're going to play with this toy, and then, then we're going to clean it up, and then we can get up and run around and do some kind of game or so, social routine, something. <clears throat> Pardon my hoarseness here, my scratchy sure. voice. And then we go right back to the table or whatever, our, or even a different designated play space. But just so she gets the idea of, right now I'm going to sit and we're going to do this. It might be, will she do a book? Will she, she probably won't sit through a book, will she? Only if it's um, self-directed. Okay. So by herself, she'll look through one. But if I try to do that with her, no. Okay. See, I think it's that sustained interaction piece that she's, and it's not, okay, so let me ask you this. So she'll look through a book by herself, and it's fine, and Mm -hmm. she'll sit through, did you say she, she watches little shows or no? Is she addicted to screens or no? So she'll watch shows, like she'll sit down and she'll watch like a half an hour show Mm -hmm, with her mom and dad, yeah. Okay, so it really is just when you add 
another person who is placing a demand on her is when she runs away, right? Yeah, I mean, that's really what it seems like. It does kind of, and I didn't really get that sense when we talked a couple of days ago about her. Even the first couple of times that I read through that email, it's just a So what I would probably do is just focus on that sustaining that interaction with you, no matter what you're doing, even if the turns are really, really fast, but really limiting, you know, we're going to do this whole, what does she like to play with? Like you said, baby dolls. Give me some other examples of things that she likes to do. She'll do baby dolls. Her And so that's the other thing. Her play is um, – very immature so she likes to move things from one container to another that is her default uh play scheme um so but she'll put go ahead i was going to say that's the other thing that i think that she why she may be leaving she does she has not had enough sustained attention to really build some skills and so Mm -hmm. you're going to have to figure out (laughs) how i can keep her with me here long enough to teach her how to play and and what to do. And so some structured teaching things where, let's say, you have a puzzle. Will she do a puzzle? Um, Mom has recently tried her with a puzzle, but it was like this big floor puzzle. It wasn't like, you know, the wooden pieces. But we So we've worked on, like, feeding the baby, which she's gotten good at. Um, at, at first she was definitely at the concrete level. She just couldn't grasp the fact that you were going to pretend to feed feed a baby and then once we started using real food then she made the transition really quickly to now she'll do pretend food and she'll also put um, the baby to sleep so with those play schemes I've tried to build on those but I feel like we are um, out of sync so if she's so if she's putting the baby to bed and she'll do like you know to tell the baby to go to sleep and if I try to add one more step like let's pat the baby she's already before I can even get my hand there she's woken that baby up and then put that baby (laughs) down go to sleep so I'm saying pat pat and she's looking at me with a smile like yeah the baby's awake so it's like okay well what I just said doesn't match with what you said so this isn't going well at all (laughs) I know. You know what I would probably do is just focus on getting her some more things to do. Like you yeah. said, Pat, Pat, maybe maybe getting her some more things to do with the baby. So I talked about this on a show a long time ago, and I've used it with some kids. I'm kind of getting ready to roll it out with another project. But just put yourself some baby accessories in a little bag, even if you're just using her toys, and maybe run through some more things. And I know that our goal is overall is to slow her down, but you may have to kind of meet her at that frenetic pace first. So that you're feeding the baby, and then you put her to sleep, and then you get the washcloth out, and you wipe the baby off, and then you you get the glasses out, and you put the glasses on the baby, and then, you know, just get more things to do. Do you see what I'm saying? So that it's not... Well, that was what I was going to ask. So is it better... So that that was my question, but you just answered it. So is it better to go into into depth with one activity or to just do a bunch of different activities on the surface? But you're saying do more in-depth with the, with, like, a baby. If she does now, does she like a lot of other toys? Because if she likes a lot of other toys, you can certainly do that. But I would probably stick to getting her just some more depth. I probably would. And again, it's kind of I might see this little girl and change my mind. But that's what I think I would do is just try to give her build some more skills with what 
with what she is already sort of doing. Yeah, I mean that. Right, and and that's that's what I've been trying to do. I guess I'm just going to have to put on my running shoes and amp up my amp up my pace. You know, the other thing that I would do, too, is sort of try to make that running away a little bit more purposeful. So if she's with the baby, does she have, like, a little pretend stroller or something that she could do with the baby? Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, she has the baby a chair. wants to run. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I talked over you. What did you say? That's okay. So she has a chair. So you're saying, like, oh, baby wants to run to the chair. Baby's going to sit in the chair. Like, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. That's probably what I would do. Try to make the running away have a little bit more purpose because she's going to do it anyway. Right, right. That's an idea I would try. Now, that may be a disaster. You may try that and think, well, this is not helping me sustain attention at all. Now I'm just teaching her to run with something. If it doesn't look like it's worked, (laughs) don't do it. But you know what I mean about just thinking that's an idea that I would probably try. I would think, how can I extend her play? What if we include the baby or whatever we're doing in this? I've got to somehow get out of here, bolt out of here. Let's try to give it a little more purpose. That's why I was asking about puzzles, too. I probably, with if she'll do some little wooden inside puzzles, put the puzzle on the other side of the room and have her do some, you know, run from one side of the room to the other to put the piece in and then run back and get another piece and then run, put the piece in across the room. Um, you know, I know. That is like, like one of my favorite games. I feel like you can do so much with that. Totally. Now, have you done that with her? No, because she doesn't have any of those, and so and if I buy one, I would have to give it to her. That's the kind of restrictions yeah, yeah. we're under. So we're not allowed to bring toys into the home unless we right. leave them there. Oh, don't get me started. Yeah. That could be a whole new show. But, I mean, is this a family with some resources? Could mom? So I was just going to say, yeah, I'll ask mom if she would be willing to um, to to buy one of those. Or anything like that, even if they have a shape sorter, or even Mm -hmm. just wooden blocks or Legos, anything where you're holding the materials on one side of the room or mom and that your purpose is to run to the other side of the room, assemble, construct, you know, whatever you're supposed to do next with the play, do that and then run back and get another piece and then run back and put it on. And at least then, too, you're kind of targeting building those play skills and she's staying with it, but you're still giving her the movement that I think she probably needs. Uh, it's going to be interesting to me to see what an OT would say about her, too. So yeah. I, I think you're on the right track with getting that additional service, if you can get that written into her plan, at least an assessment to see what's going on with that, and then right. seeing seeing what would go from there. Um, and so those are the things that I would start with. But wait, 45 minutes went really, really fast today, because I still have a lot of other questions to ask you about this little girl. So, oh, man. Oh, that's a bummer. <laughs> I know. I can't believe it's already over. But let's do this. Why don't you start with these things, and then how about in three or four weeks you come back on and tell us how these sort of ideas have worked, and we'll just problem solve beyond there. Would you be willing to do that? I would love to do that. Yes, that would be awesome. I would love that too. So let's do this. It's the second week in February. Let's look at the second or third week in March of having you back on, Kendra, for your update with this little girl and any new things that she's started to do since then. And I know you're going to be able to take some of these ideas and problem solve and come back. And so let's go ahead and think about that show then. And and, um, this will be great. I love it. We'll have our little ongoing series about her because she is tricky 
but she's not a totally uncommon kid. So I know other parents and therapists are going to learn from you uh, with what you figured out works for her. So I would love that. I would love for you to go and just kind of start with these ideas and then see what you come up with. And so we'll hear back from you in about a month. Okay, that sounds great. Perfect. All right, all right. Well, we're at the end of this week's show. Thanks so much for listening, everybody, and thank you, Kendra, for participating. And I will email you back, and we'll get that follow-up scheduled. All righty? Okay, thank you so much, Laura. Okay. Thanks for having me on. Thanks so much. Okay, thanks. Good luck.